later on this episode. It was no one else's fault if I was going to be successful or not. And it was a sobering moment where I said, this is on me, right? Like, if I'm kind to people, that's on me. If I have a reputation, that's been built around how I've presented myself. If I, um, you know, want to get something done and accomplish, like, that's on me. It's on me. Folks, we have an extremely, extremely special and unique guest today. My dear friend, Bonnie Godsman, we go back almost, almost 20 years since the beginning of my career in financial services. Bonnie is easily, easily and widely recognized as one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful woman in financial services today. She's serving as the president at Finseca. Gamma Global started her career very early on in politics, uh, serving some of the most widely recognized, successful advocates for humanity. Somebody I hold dear, George W. Bush. And uh, Bonnie, it's just an absolute pleasure having you at the podium today. Thanks so much, Manny. Uh, yeah, it's, but I can't believe it has been probably about 20 years or Almost. so. so uh, super, super excited to, uh, to catch up today for sure. Yeah, appreciate your time. And and I was thinking about would I switch it up with Bonnie uh, in terms of the format of how we kick off these conversations, but I'm not going to. So, Bonnie, four questions we're going to ask every guest from here until the end of time. The first one is, what is your favorite color? My favorite color. Not wearing it today. Of course, Finseca purple I'm representing. <laughs> um, but my favorite color um, by far is is red. It's I consider it a, a signature of mine. Uh, a quick side story. Uh, I we uh, Samantha and I moved to Michigan uh, to 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 serve and 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 lead uh, and be a good teammate at Mass Mutual Great Lakes. And and Bonnie was the, one of the first people I reached out to. I said, "Hey, I've got this really important meeting. Would you be willing to come out and share some remarks and perspective on uh, the incredible?" Uh, opportunity in our industry today and going into the future. And of course, Bonnie came out and sure enough, there was no doubt she was the showstopper that day. Uh, Red outfit and was the most popular speaker of the conference. And so always thankful for you. But yes, red is your color and it's a great color. Uh, Second question, favorite afternoon snack. So um, some people know this about me, some people don't, but I went on a, uh, a weight loss journey. I lost 180 pounds. Um, and I will tell you that's done through grit and hard plan and discipline and a great nutritionist, a phenomenal trainer. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it still is going for anything chocolate around me. As a matter of fact, you guys can't see it, but on my desk, I have the Christmas lint chocolate sitting right there. So uh, it's still, it still is a handful of chocolate, whether it's M&Ms, whatever, but something, something chocolate related for sure. Love it. Uh, Favorite childhood superhero. Well, I got to go classic girl here. Um, I'm going with, with Wonder Woman. Um, I, you know, it was interesting. Um, My, I've always kind of leaned towards these underdogs. Um, My favorite Disney princess is actually, Tinkerbell. Um, and it's funny. And, and if you really 
look into roles and responsibilities and those kinds of things. I've always gravitated there, but, but definitely Wonder Woman. Um, first, when I was growing up, kind of first female I saw in, you know, that kind of genre that, um, you know, we always had Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and all this great stuff. And she was kind of the first moment where I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. I like her. So Wonder Woman. Strong response. Strong response. It's been popular. It actually has been popular. Uh, last question. So I strongly believe in the depth of my soul that one of the most influential songs of my adolescence was by Cypress Hill. And when they came out in 2000 with Skull and Bones, I was graduating from college and they dropped Rock Superstar. And I thought, Man, that song, you know, you talk about, you know, children that grow up in privileged environments, children that maybe grow up in non-privileged environments. At the end of the day, the song speaks to children dreaming and having great vision for their life and all that is possible. And while it's focused on material possessions, I interpreted it a little bit different as I matured over time. I find that everyone tends to have a favorite artist, album, or track. What's yours? Okay. So this is a loaded question because I am a huge music lover. So for me, um, and Manny, I think you and I are the exact same age. Um, for me, it was U2. Um, Love it. Josh, Joshua Tree. Um, anyone, with our good friend, Ed Deutschlander, Sean McDuffie, oh. will tell you. will tell you. About many a nights, um, you know, a, cu- a couple of fun cocktails in and me screaming anything you two that comes on uh, the jukebox, the radio, karaoke. I'm a, I'm a sad, sad singer, but somehow, you know, you get in front of that mic and it just pours out of you. So I would say the Joshua Tree album, particularly for me, was um, was pretty, pretty telling, like coming of age for me. There was passion. There were there were things that were developing inside me that I couldn't maybe put my finger on at the time and re-listening to it years and years and years and years later. Um, it does evolve and mean something differently that you said, right? At the time, you probably yeah. thought you were just popping along to music and there was something inside you that you couldn't pinpoint, but it drove you, right? Every time it came on and every and every time you heard that band, there was a reference. And, and to this day, I mean, I still follow all you two and everything they're doing, but, um, you know, as I went on my journey, they popped up in my life in different in different kinds of ways. Um, and so the connection there is pretty deep and pretty strong, but um, I would say it's a huge influence in, uh, in me. So that, so that's special. And look, I always appreciate how uh, granular and articulate you can be about explaining your position or perspective on something, right? Is there, is there a close second that you might listen to when you're in a very specific mood and what's yeah. the mood and what yeah. would be the close second? Yeah. So I would say um, for me, uh, like I said, love music, love live music, any and all kinds of music, all different genres. But I'll tell you, um, you know, I grew up as a student athlete. You know, I played tennis yes. very, very competitively. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, there are moments, right, where you're frustrated and you need to level set. And, you need, and I've never gone somber. I've always gone you know, the football team listening to, you know, the motivation that gets you roaring and yelling and you're going to bang on the thing on the way. And that's, that's what motivates me. So it is um, the killers, Mr. Brightside. 
<laughs> and I will like it's one of my favorite movies is The yeah. Holiday. For those who haven't seen it, go out. It's it's totally a romantic comedy chick flick. Um, but there's a scene where she's like had it and she puts it on and she's just like, I'm Mr. Brightside. And it's just just screaming at the top of your lungs. And it can translate and mean different things based on your mood. So for me, if it's de- it definitely is if I need to change up the mood, it isn't like I'm down or I'm high or I'm yeah. you know confused or it's just like, okay, I just need to sing it out to like clear, like clear the brain, clear. And then when that song's over, I'm like, okay, now what were we talking about? Let's get to work kind of level set. So total, totally see that as a great reset song just kind of reset the moment. Right. I love it. So you, I want to come back to your response to the second question. And, and just because I've, I've always admired it so much. I think of words like discipline, grit, commitment, your vision, your, your, I mean, your, your commitment to yourself, not because of what the outside of the world was thinking, but I've always seen you as an incredibly, uh, internally driven and strong human when you made that decision to change your approach to your lifestyle and your personal health. Can you take us through that a little bit? I just think that's such a special story and I want to attack all the other stuff about success in business and financial services and Fonseca. But to me, that is at the core of how I know you. And I'm just just have always admired that so much when you share that. Yeah, I was um, just to, to give some insight to the, to the group here listening, you know, I was uh, rocking and rolling along with life. Manny, as you said, I worked for some great, amazing politicians. Um, I was doing my thing uh, at the time with Gamma, uh, you know, rising through the ranks and in life was good. Had boyfriends, loved clothes, um, have a great relationship with my family, like on track, on track, on track, on track. And as I, you know, was coming up on January 1st and everyone does their new year's resolutions. And I was like, okay, I've, I've let this, I've, I've let my weight get a little out of control, you know, probably need to address that. And I was walking up the stairs and, um, uh, up six flights of stairs. It was like the first day back in the office in the new year. And I said, all right, I'm going to start today. I'm going to take the stairs. Right. And, uh, got to the top and thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. And it was scared me enough that it got me to the doctor within a few days. And I got on the scale and, um, and it, it read error. And uh, the doctor said, you know, Bon, let's go to a different scale. And I said, like, where you weigh the elephants? Like, where are we going? What are you talking about? And I got on the scale and it said 318 pounds. And it was a moment where I really had to stop and reflect. And I knew that it was, I had to lose enough weight that it was, um, you know, exploring all, like, do I get, gastric bypass surgery? Do I, you know, go see a nutritionist? Do I get a, get a trainer? Like what was I going to react to? What was going to be the best way? And I really had to take stock in, this was a commitment, right? This was going to be, this was not dropping 10, 15 pounds. This was, I need to change lifestyles, behaviors. Um, And because I talked earlier, I was a student athlete, you know, there was discipline that, that I had kind of in me. I grew up uh, much like you, Manny, super tight Italian Scottish family. Um, and there were expectations and in in, but at the end of the day, it all came down to your accountability, your response. It was no yes. one else's fault that I yes. was unhealthy. It was no one else's fault if I was going to be successful or not. And it was a sobering moment where 
I said, this is on me, right? Like if I'm kind to people, that's on me. If I have a reputation that's been built around how I've presented myself. If I, um, you know, want to get something done and accomplished, like that's on me, it's on me. And I do that with influence and journeys and teams and all of these amazing things around me. Um, but yeah, it was a mental commitment at a level that was like, okay, so charm's not going to get you through this, right? Having a great connection or relationship, it's not going to get you through this. Like this is at your core, like what is going to define everything that you've taken up until this point is going to have to come into play. So I needed the relationships to help me, right? I needed my family to support me. I needed, um, you know, the, the discipline, to commit to what it was going to take. I needed to change behavior. Like I needed to transform. I needed to have a vision. And, and when things didn't always go my way in that journey or process, I needed to dig deeper and have that grit to like head down, trust the process, mm-hmm. keep going. Um, and that's really like how, and now it's been, I don't know, many 10 years, 15 years since I've been yeah. kind of back to my, you know, athletic weight that I was. And, and I remind myself every day that that's, you know, that's my responsibility and my accountability and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's presented difficult times for me with other people where I'm like, your problem isn't all these things you're talking about. Your problem's you, your problem's you, right? Are you committed to yourself enough that you want to achieve this and do this? And so for me, it's a, I'm proud of the accomplishment, not proud that I got there, but proud of, proud of where I've landed, um, in it. And it's been a, it's been a learning journey ever since, honestly. Well, and, and, um, um, I'm certain people. I'm certain that people in your life have also um, just had tremendous glow and happiness and and goosebumps to see all that you have achieved. And I think um, for those of us that have known you for a tremendous amount of time, you know, we're just freaking happy for you because you're happy, not because of the number. That's you right. know, it, it, because, you know, people who met you 20 years ago, it's not like you were a miserable person, but no. when you said, this is important to me and I'm going to give myself permission right. to attack this thing that's important to me, no matter what anyone says um, or who I may have to leave behind. That's right. Because it doesn't match the lifestyle I want. Uh, I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah, you know, it's um it's interesting because there definitely were people that I had to make decisions to leave behind in the wake, or there are people that weren't sure. happy for me. But what I think is interesting about about for me is, you know, it's tangible, right? So Manny, you knew me when I was heavy, you knew me now thin, right? And so it it's a tangible that people um are impacted by. So when I tell the story and I throw up the picture of me at 319, everyone in the room is like, or if they didn't know me, you know, yeah. when I was, when I was heavy. Um, but it's, it's, it can be more impactful because it's tangible. There are people that go through tremendous transformational change and they have, it's a change in behavior and they have to prove themselves and prove themselves and prove themselves over time, right. For people to actually say, wow, I feel differently about that person. But when you have transformations that are tangible, right. There's no debate. Like it's right there in front of you that that's been achieved or that, that, um, you know, can be seen. Right. And so I do think sometimes stories can be more impactful for people or, um, 
you know, can, can give people a little bit more encouragement because, because they can see it and they can feel it and they can, you know, experience it. It's a little different than people who have made tremendous strides mentally, um, you know, where you're like, oh, they're, oh, it took me a while to man up. Their, their, their behavior has changed. Their leadership has grown or they've changed and they're kinder or whatever, whatever people are working on. Right. But, but the weight loss, it's a tangible thing. And so I think the connectivity there is, can be more abrupt for people. Yeah, you know that 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 is. I mean that that's a powerful way to to package that up. And I'm thinking about, I'm I'm thinking about the fact that along most significant journeys of change and prog- progress and then eventual achievement, we have advocates that tend to kind of just stick with us. You know, that don't give up on us. Uh, that uh, just really inspire us to remain committed to what we said we would do for us. Can you think back to one or two of your early advocates? And and you can recognize names, but even if you just recognize characteristics, because I think to me, I I think we're just really low in the fuel tank on aspiring to just be a great advocate to someone we love. Yeah. And it's you know, like, hey, man, advocates like that is a cool thing. Be an advocate. And so talk to us about that a yeah. little bit. I mean, it's the number one leadership skill I think anyone could possibly have, you know, being an advocate, being able to see to be able to see the greatness in people that they can't see in themselves. Right. And be able to actually be um, a consistent variable in their journey. Right. And that to me. So. So, I mean, immediately my my father. Um, and my mother um, have been advocates for me my ent- my entire life. I mean, I really have uh, a unique, I think, uh, view of what good parenting really looks like. And it's not it's I'm a product of them being advocates for me for my whole life, whatever it was. Right. And so as I was embarking on this weight loss, it always was you know, Bonnie, this can't, I remember my dad talking to me, this cannot be about you wanting, you know, to wear a smaller size. This can't be about, you want, you want a significant other to be more attractive to you. Like this has got to be for you and find whatever reason it is for you, but it's got to be about your reason and what, you know, and for me it was, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like this is a longevity life thing for me. Um, But I had advocates along the way, many people in our profession, Manny, yourself included. I mean, Everyone knew me. A lot of people knew me when, and to your point, people were just happy for me, right? It was, it was because they knew I wanted it. Like, you know, it, 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 for me, um, it's unique, especially as a female, when you talk about this kind of weight loss journey for a lot of folks, it's about self-esteem for me. It was never about like, it was never about self-esteem, right? I'm the same exact person I was Mm -hmm. heavy, but, but what it was for me was me proving to myself and in a unique way, finding people along the journey who were happy for me, right? And um, I had several folks that were encouraging and had great, spent time making sure that I was doing this for the right reasons and making sure that, um, you know, my career decisions were being made for the right reasons. And to your point, people that just really thought about me, right? Not what was right for them. They weren't a consultant in my life. They were a coach in my life. And that role of being an advocate is undervalued 
And I think for those of us that have been through journeys, right, it's our responsibility to help others along the way. And and because someone saw something in us a long time ago, we didn't see in ourselves, you know, and, and that encouragement along the way has been been really phenomenal. But, you know, to to have that influence um, looking back on it now is is pretty cool. It's very special. I've lived a very unique, um, interesting and uh, for lack of a trendy word, people are using now a very blessed life. You know, I've I've had a lot of a lot of people around me that um, have been advocates for me. And I've had those that have not been so supportive, right? And it's tough. Sometimes you have to say goodbye to people who aren't going to advocate for you. And then you start looking at those relationships and say, well, why wouldn't they advocate for me? Why wouldn't that make sense? And, you know, things evolve in relationships and in work relationships and personal relationships. And you're thinking, wow, I thought they had my back, but really they were just with me because, you know, and when that because isn't there anymore, you know, sometimes it's difficult to move on, but um, the advocate part is, I agree, Manny, like we need more of them. We need to be better at it um, and be cognizant of it. It's, it's one of the most important leadership skills we can, we can exhibit. Well, and I, I think, um, um, and I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, uh, because, you know, when I ask these questions and I make the comments, it's, it's always like as humbly as I could position these or present these, right. <laughs> uh, being a, a, perfectly imperfect man yeah. on this planet, right? It, it's just like, hey, I, I notice that when we verbalize advocacy, when we verbalize that kindness is cool and paying compliments is free and like encouragement is a blessing, like, you know, we we all kind of step into that a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And, and when others say it to me, I step into it differently. And I think it's, it, it's just such a special um, experience in life to have people reach out to us or us reach out to others and just say, Hey man, like I'm, you know, I'm thinking about you and yep. I'm, I'm super pumped for you. And I see all that you are doing and wow, that is awesome. You yep. know, in that encouragement, I just have found is very special and, 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 and I bring it up. I think I bring it up more passionately on every conversation I'm having today, because I also see how serious this pandemic is impacting people. And yet I, I get so many more messages of this has been the worst two years of my life. This has been the worst. I'm having a tough time, you know, including as I have felt. Uh, during this window at some point, you know? And so that's a really serious thing too. And I think that's where advocacy is so meaningful to me right now, because we're all trying to put on a great show. I don't know why. I don't know why we're not more vulnerable and authentic about our own realities. And it's a real thing right now. People could really use some advocacy and just some love. Well, and I think as, especially as leaders, right? I mean, you lead a team, I lead a team, we're in a, in a leadership focused, organized profession, you know, being, I've told my team, you know, I, I mean, I consider myself a pretty solid individual, you know, I, yeah. I don't really have that much drama in my life. And, and I can tell you there are a couple of times during COVID where I was like, am I losing my mind? Like I was shook, you know, on a, there, right. I mean, and so to share with the team, no, you know, your struggles, we, we all are going through them. We all feel them. And it's, what's so fascinating is I think people are having a hard time um, 
honing in on individual folks and what their struggle is, right? So I've got this team of, you know, 40 some odd people and, and by the way, globally, right? So I have 100, 122 globally. So not only am I dealing with what's happening here in the US, but, you know, my office in Hong Kong has been shut down for two years, you know, and I have right. an office in Greece where their economic situation is, impl- they can't take more than $50 a day out of their ATM. I mean, it's, there's serious stuff going on here. And then you layer that, pressure with the mental health um, circumstances that people have never been faced with before. And we need to do a really good job of just talking to people. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about you. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. What's going on? And it's okay to be vulnerable. um, Because like you said, we, we create this environment, right? Where like everyone needs to fit in this box and do this thing. And, and we've known people like in those boxes for, years. And suddenly we're seeing people try to maintain those boxes and it's it's getting too hard to keep the walls up. And people are afraid to say, you know what, I need to put my hand down for a second and let that wall fall and I'll get that wall back up. Right. And I'll pull it back up. And you maybe, maybe it's just going to, going to be a different way to pull that wall up than it has historically been for me. But I need to drop that wall right now. And people need to know that this pandemic we're going through, like it is real. It is affecting people in ways that we've never seen before. And so to be fair, everyone, I do think everyone's doing their best to navigate. Um, but for those of us that can navigate maybe better than others, it's important to recognize that not everybody's at the same point in this thing, right? And mm-hmm. to be thoughtful and kind and not so judgmental. You know, we're going through, I'm sure most folks end of the year, you're going through review processes, you know, and you're looking at where people have really surprisingly shown up, right, in ways they haven't before. This pandemic has also brought out a ton of strengths in people um, that we didn't, I didn't know maybe existed. Um, And then there's folks that we've seen not show up the way we historically have expected them to. And so those are real conversations that we need to be vulnerable to have. Um, Because I say all the time, you know, I'm I'm happy to talk to people and, and, and talk through some courageous conversations. And thank God I'm perfect, Manny. Thank God I'm Perfect. Right. Um, to your, to your point. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, I think the vulnerability, I think we're getting better at it. I think COVID has pushed it um, in a lot of ways, particularly, Agreed. you know, particularly in, in families and in, uh, in, in workplaces. I think some of the conversations are getting more open, um, which is a great, which is a great and needed thing. We're still not there yet, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but that's we're doing right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when you when you expanded on that, I mean, it, it just it takes me back to a place I wanted to go. And if we can pivot for a minute, sure. um, I mean, from from political science to <laughs> a career in politics, uh, all, all stemming from parents that I've, I've never heard you say anything but the most loving, full of affection type comments and, and, you know, what a blessing and privilege that is too. Right. And I think perspective is everything, but so I wanted to recognize that because that's always, I've always admired that. Uh, You know, I, I, I believe in that type of like abundance and love for our family. Um, But that, that took you through politics for a window. And I mean, and you joined Gamma in 04 and, and, and it's like your entire life really has been about advocacy, mm-hmm. right? And so I think if you can frame up for our listeners 
Gamma 04, right? 2012, you take over corporate development for them nationally and globally. Uh, then all of a sudden, you broker this incredible union of these two powerhouse organizations, yeah. you know, advocating and governing financial services uh, between Gamma and AALU. And now here you are as the president of Finseca, the new organization, head of Gamma Global. And I mean, that's that's 20 years of advocacy and yeah. I'm not even going into your youth. Where, where do you think that first, where do you think that came from? Yeah, because that that's not I mean, it, most people just organically are like, hey, I'm the one who stops the bully. I'm the one who says, hey, that's cool. Like that. You're yeah. happy. That's cool. Even if that's yeah. different, that's still cool. And you've done that your entire life. And now you're, you're literally one of the most influential uh, humans in financial services. Uh, where did that come from? And talk to us about what that means today in your current capacity. Yeah. Well, well thank you, Manny, for, that, for those compliments. That's, uh, that's incredible to, to hear And from you. I'm not um, the only one who thinks that. I know. That. I know. You know it's that. just, you know, it's, it's surreal. Um, you know, yeah. like I said, 2004, I started working at Gamma because I was studying my LSATs for law school um, to, you know, take my political career further. And, and I will tell you, my entire life um, has been driven for, for myself and self-improvement, right? It's always been to the next level. Now, that has meant different things to me along the way. You know, yeah. we all have gone through the ego journey of what's my title? How much money do I make? And that's going to make, and that's going to make, and that's going to make. But I will tell you my, my honor of serving as CEO of Gamma and being around the best leaders who are entrepreneurial spirited, who are running businesses, who are developing people. You know, it, it almost was divine intervention for me to go from a servant leadership mentality of getting into politics, you know, working in local governments, working, um, you know, uh, in New York City and then working in D.C. It was always there was always a thread there. And maybe again, I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but looking back, I certainly can. And it was what's for the betterment of my first career move was a neighborhood political appointment for my County executive in New York. And I remember sitting in a restaurant and the people next to me were smoking. And while it's their right to smoke, and I totally mm -hmm. respect that. I was like, you know, this isn't an enjoyable environment for me. My County was one of the first counties in the United States to ban smoking in restaurants and I remember having impact and influence because I believed it made life better for everyone, right? And so get into the work at Gamma, that was to make life better. Um, I will tell you a pivoting point for me in this journey was my father passed away a couple of years ago. And I remember sitting at a kitchen table with my mom, who was absolutely scared to death. My parents had been together since middle school. And we knew dad was dying and we met with, you know, their financial advisor and we we're talking about, you know, what the plan was and, and how life wasn't going to be disrupted. You know, obviously we'd miss my dad and we'd love dad, but it was like my dad and my mom did that so that we'd have a better life, right? They were looking at what could be best next. And then we met with the advisor and then it was like dad's passing and what's best next for mom. And then it made me think about the power of the work that this profession particularly and financially securing everyone is doing. And it made me think about Gamma and the leadership that we have there and the 
the team that they develop and the clients in which that team impacts and the lives. And then I started looking around at our sister organizations and I said, we have to be able to do more together, right? And the pandemic hits and it's even more important and pressing specifically in our industry talking about finances, but really what it was about was how do we better serve other people? And you are greater as a whole than individually any day. Anyone that doesn't believe that, I would challenge to the death. Um, and so there was this thread throughout my entire career of a challenge for me to like make the world a better place. And I know that sounds so cliche, right? But it really is a drive to say, how do we help execute on a vision that we know is going to help people live better lives? And that for me has been through that, right? So so I'll tell you the the merger with ALU and Gamma, you know, Mark Caden, my counterpart, who is such a tremendous individual. And we really were talking through and thinking through like what's the best and and what's what does this new organization need to offer and what are our roles in it and how does that how does that work? Um, and you know, we just landed on, at the end of the day, none of it mattered. If I had a job, if he had a job, if he was CEO, if I was president, if I held on to global, if he took over that, like, it didn't matter. At the end of the day, what we cared about more than, than us was the greater sum, you know, of the success of the whole and what that would mean for our profession. And in turn would mean for all of the people out there who deserve to work with an expert who can make their life financially healthier and in turn help them do better. And, that has been a driving force looking back on it. My, anyone that has been an advocate for me, they wanted better for me, right? They saw something better for me. 100%. Anyone, any organization I worked for, always at the core of that, or even politics, at the core of what it is there to serve, it's to make life better, right? And that has shown up repeatedly, and that's what drives me. It showed up in my weight loss. It showed up you know, in my advancement through Gamma. It showed up in how I love our international side of the business, right? It's, it's just seeing beyond who you are and what, what you can impact, but how do you team together and strategize to make sure that that impact is as big as it can be? And we're not done at Finseca. You know, we're not done. We're looking to unify the profession and to get, you know, all of our orgs to see the vision of how we can be so strong um, and affect so many people. And that's really, that's it. That's it, Manny. That's the thread for me that I can identify at the moment. Talk to me in 10 years, it might be something different, but as of today, that's the way, that's the way I view it. Well, and, and I've, I've, I've actually heard you comment before uh, consistently about this vision and aspiration you have that, that things can be better. Right. Cool. And, and I understand that with us being in financial services you know, we have a, a just a, a a really like unflinching belief that one, we're in a lifestyle business. Yeah. That two, because of outside of your faith, your family, the freedom of this country, and your physical health, financial Financials. security, stability, and success is everything. It dictates your consumption around all of those, including when folks speak about faith being at the foundation of their life, which I agree with. I personally align with that, but how much more can we do for our faith when we are financially secure, stable, and successful? Absolutely. A lot more, right? And so I've, I've heard you speak about that 
And I've also heard you connect that a lot to your relationship with your father, the influence of your father. And I think, I think that's so special, right? Share with me maybe one or two of the childhood sort of lessons or habits or disciplines that you took from your family, because I know what a significant impact they've had and influence they've had on you, right? Like your folks could be social media influencers today, right? They, everybody calls themselves a social media influencer. They could have one of those, you know, really uh, 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 gifted handles uh, and and have a bunch of subscribers. They have 50 million followers um, for sure. I definitely feel like that. Followers, right? Not subscribers. I don't don't even know. Yeah, get with the lingo, Manny. Come on, come on. Yeah, influencers. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, definitely. I mean, I I mean, just you know, it's interesting. Um, I heard a really great quote the other day, and it said, "God puts the God puts money into the pockets of those that will put money into the pockets of others." And I actually um, agree that you know when you talk about all the F's, right? Um, That finances actually can fuel, and you mirror that with faith, and you actually have the ability between your faith. And, you know, what kind of environment you create for yourself to influence um, and to impact others so greatly um, around the around the financial. So so, you, you know, Manny, you know, I talk a lot about women empowerment. I talk a lot about, um, you know, women, not just in our business, but in leadership roles and, and how they bring different elements to the table that we should consider. Um, but one of my most um, influential moments for me was I was sitting at Thanksgiving and with my family, I was probably. I don't know, let's say fifth grade. And uh, we were talking about uh, life and choices and those kinds of things. And my, my aunt, God bless her, love her to death. But their conversation came up about who you marry and why that's important. And do they have money and, and you want a good life and like all these kinds of things. Right. But it all was revolving around the fact with my female cousins about you needed a part, a male partner, right. That was going to provide for you in some capacity. And we got in the car, my sister and I, in the back seat. Mom and dad are in the front and my father starts the car. He turns off the car. He swings around and looks at my sister and I and said, I would really appreciate if you would disregard everything that was said at that table. He said, you are to become financially independent women because you are smart, because you have passions, because you will be able to impact people. And it is your responsibility to be a contributing member of this society that can take care of yourself and others. He said, now, if you happen to meet a significant other and they enhance your life and they're a great partner for you, and that's wonderful. My dad said, but if I ever find out that you are stuck in a marriage because you financially can't afford to leave, or I ever find out that, you know, there's something Uh, you want to do and you can't figure out a way to make that financially happen. My father's like, I'm going to be very disappointed in you both. And like, that was, you know, we talk about the nuggets, right, Manny? Like that was a nugget. I so boldly remember. And as I grew up, you know, my father and I would have conversations about self-esteem and women connected to their understanding of their finances. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be a gajillionaire. I'm just saying how you understand and feel about your control over how you can use, um, you know, your finances to help you have gains in life to achieve things you want is directly correlated, I believe, personally, to particularly women and their self-esteem. So for me, that was one major, major impact. The second for me, as I talked about, I was a competitive tennis player and um, my dad was at every game, you know, in the sidelines, those kinds of things. In one particular match, I was uh, 
you know, I was mad. I was hitting things. It, it, like, I just couldn't get my rhythm down. Like I was, you know, really, really upset. And I kind of took my, took my racket, which just to show you how this is my grandfather taught me my tennis rackets in my office next to me. Always. My grandfather actually taught me how to play. It was another huge influence. Um, and I was upset. I hit the fence with my racket. Blah, blah, blah. And my dad came over me, got right up to the fence, you know, hands through the links. And he says, he said, you're better than this. You're mentally tougher than this. He's like, take a breath and get it together, Godsman. And then he like walked away and I was like, drop the mic. Like, and my dad just basically level set me to be like, what's all this happening? Like, yeah. you're smarter than this. You have more discipline than this. Like, eye on the prize. Take a breath. Take your moment. Acknowledge. And let's keep it moving. You know, like you have a, you have a goal to achieve. You have something to do here. And in that case, obviously, it was to go win my championship game, which luckily I did. But, but yeah, those are two, those are two individual moments in life, right? Where the, the discipline had kind of come to a head, right? The understanding or the importance of a lesson he was trying to teach me came to a head. And it was something that just has resonated and stuck with me and influenced me, right? As I kind of go through, I look at my nephews now and sometimes I'll talk to them and I'll be like, ooh, I hope this is a moment that they remember when they're 40 years old and are being interviewed in a podcast about Hopefully. childhood memories. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. But that's what I strive for, you know, to be a part of one of those moments for somebody, not for me, but that they, that they get there, right. That they have the same journey and experience that I had that influenced me, I think in tremendous ways. Well, in, in, in those, uh, those examples, I mean, they, they remind me of uh, my friend, Lauren Johnson, who's out, you know, in, in out West and, you know, she's just an absolute assassin in mental performance coaching. Rock star. Um, I mean, she just really is. And she always uh, speaks about being a fountain, not a drain, right? Pouring into people. And I think it's, it's so special to think, hey, you know, what can I or how can I uh, pour into someone today, and and we 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 kind of get that out of like uh, unwritten contract from our parents, but we definitely don't uh, need to get that from others. And right. and Finseca is one of those organizations going back to Finseca and yeah. its impact and influence on the financial services industry, not just in the U.S. but globally now. Um, it's one of those organizations that says, hey, I'm raising my hand. I'm in for the fight. I am up for being a servant leader and right. advocate on behalf of humanity around what it takes to properly deliver financial security, stability, and success. However, everybody else wants to rephrase that. That's how I say it yep. uh, uh, to humanity. And, and you and Mark Caden, we just had Mark Caden on last Wednesday with the firm in Great. Michigan, and he crushed it as he would. Yeah. Um, you and Mark Caden are our stewards and team captains of that. Share with our listeners, because a lot of them will be in financial services. Yeah. What are the number one or two priorities for Finseca? Yeah. And specifically, What's one thing that you see us needing to get ready or prepared for sure. as we look at serving uh, others in the future in this space? Yeah. You know, when we talked about the merger and we talked about creating this organization and kind of what the vision was, 
um, we started with the name, right? So Finseca, people will say, Bonnie, what is Finseca? Yeah. Like, is it a noun? Is it a verb? Is it? A, and, and really what we, what we didn't want to be, we knew what we didn't want. We didn't want to be gamma, general agents and managers association. We didn't want to be the alphabet soup that most people know, you know, in professional or trade organizations. And it wasn't about necessarily like who our members were, right? We know who the members are. It was about what our members do. So yes. Finseca, F-I-N-S-E-C-A, actually stands for financial security for all. And so once we got that down and we were like the overarching goal and vision and mission, every day we wake up to make sure that we have many people financially secure as possible. We got that. But how do we help the people that help those people do that, right? And so four things Finseca has built on. Um, the first is our acceleration in the industry. We believe professional development is important. We believe there are a lot of bad actors out there, right? And so we want to make sure that there are standards to be in this profession, that you are educated in product, that you have, um, you know, credibility behind what you are designing and working with for the folks that you are, um, you know, have as customers and have as clients. And then the second pillar, of course, for us, as we talked about earlier, Manny, is advocacy, right? And, and, and our profession has historically been on defense, right? Regardless of what side of the fence you sit on, the politicians and lawmakers are making laws that affect how we work with the families, the businesses that we are trying to make sure are financially secure. So to not be active in an advocate environment, to not be advocates on behalf of professionals everywhere that are helping all of these people make phenomenal, important, impactful decisions is really part of our mission and our calling. You know, our third one is education. If we've seen it, we COVID has magnified, right? People are talking about financial literacy now more than ever. We're talking about the kids and how do we get in there? We're talking about, like, how do we just educate people on you're better off working with a financial advisor than you are not, um, and we have all of these kind of narratives around what people who work with financial advisors should look like. You know, I had a friend of mine say, Bonnie, I don't make enough money to work with a financial advisor. What? Like, so what are we doing on an education standpoint? And then the, the, the last one, and I think it's the most important, is our Elevate. And so that really is, FinSec is the only organization that's raising its hand and saying, we have a brand and reputation issue here. We have consumers that don't trust they don't think we are in a trustworthy profession. And you and I and anyone involved in our profession or anyone that has delivered a death benefit claim or anyone that has helped a family plan to put their kids through college or anyone that has sat through a funeral and watched a family be burdened with how are we going to move forward financially here knows, they know the story behind what being in this profession means, right? And so I really think that those are kind of the four things. When we look forward um, of what we all need to be aware of, you know, look, our, uh, our Biden administration that we have with us, you know, we're working day in and day out with them to make sure that we are getting the best possible results for the tax conversations that we're having, making sure that they understand how the business affects consumers, how we have planning that's happening um, and how regulation you know, they're just unaware a lot of the time. And so part of our job is to go in and educate that. And so as a profession, I think we need to be aware that we need to get on offense, right? We want lawmakers calling us at FinSeca and saying, you guys represent the best of the best. You guys are the finance experts. We, we, see, we may see an issue here. Help us solve this. As opposed to, you know, a law being thrown down on the table and then we're suddenly, you know, geared up and we're ready to fight. And we're like, what if I invite everyone to imagine the possibility 
that before something actually gets all the way through, they call us and say, we care about what you guys think about this because you're the most connected to these people who would need to be financially secure, help us, right? So I would say definitely the advocacy side of that moving forward. And then for the people that are specifically in the profession, we have to do better. Like we have to build our benches and recruit. Diversity and inclusion is a real conversation. We need to open up what our profession historically has looked like. We need to find ways, right, to infiltrate markets and to infiltrate communities that have maybe different views and visions of working with financial advisors, or maybe they have a different concept of what money and retirement and security can look like. And we have a responsibility to drive that change. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily, I mean, I can tell you as a female, I don't want to be chosen just because I'm a woman, right? I want to be chosen because I'm best qualified and everyone thinks, you know, Bonnie's the best person for that job. The problem is, is the pool is so limited that when I do get chosen, the first natural reaction, unfortunately, is, oh, they wanted to promote a woman, right? Well, let's make it that the pie has so many women in it that like, it's just second nature. It's like, oh, so-and-so got promoted because they're amazing, not because we're trying to fill a quota or we're trying to look like we're diverse or, you know, any of these, any of these things that we're just not getting at it the right ways. And what's happening is, is it is, it is uh, very dangerously diluting the conversation. I mean, how many times have we been at meetings like, okay, we're going to talk about women in leadership and everyone goes, here we go. Or, you know, we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion and everyone in the room's like, and then you've got a, a white male in the room who is like, how do I fit in here? I'm threatened. Are they coming for me? How's this happening? Where do I fit in? Why aren't they talking about, you know, and we just have to, we have a profession have to put down some walls, acknowledge some maybe challenges that we've had and figure out collective solutions with all the stakeholders at the table to just do better. So if people are just one thing, just we can just open ourselves up to that conversation and come to the table with, you know, the right mindset here that we are trying to reach people who haven't been reached. We are trying to create and invite people into a profession that we know is good for everyone. Everyone can find impact and, and influence in this profession. So for me, those, those, that's two. But to me, those are, those are really, if we could get that collectively as to an epic movement, which is what Finseca really is, right? We look at ourselves as a movement. We know it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we have to start somewhere. And we need someone to start saying these things out loud. And so we invite everyone, especially in the profession, like to join us in this. I mean, that's what we're coming with. Like hands down, full transparency, whether I'm here in five years or not, or 10 years or 20 years, like it doesn't matter. It's a bigger calling than any of us in our current day, right? There's a responsibility out there that we need to fulfill. And that's, that's what we're pushing forward on every day. Yeah. And I, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much in there. I know. I see you laughing as I'm talking um, to you. Your brain's just. Yeah. I, I mean, there's just so much in that. And I, I just always, I always get a, attracted and drawn to the comments on gender. And I'm like, I mean, what, you know, I'm, I'm married to this incredible woman yep. You are who is going to live 50 years longer than I will. And because of those mathematical realities, good financial planning is required. Yep. And then you add priorities, values, generational 
legacies and desires yep. that we have, dreams we have that we wish to be fulfilled. I mean, great financial planning by someone that we care about, respect, and trust that we know reciprocates those three core values. It just, it changes the realities of generations. It does. And most We're always so focused on how does this impact me instead of thinking like, man, you are a blip. You are a blip on this planet. And it is okay to think about beyond your blip. Like think about Absolutely. the next one, which is for us, Ava and Atlas and in uh, their versions of Ava and Atlas, right? Yep. And so well, I'll tell you, you know, Manny, my husband and I, so um, we don't, by choice, we don't have any children, right? So when we talk about life insurance policies and, you know, what are we going to do for like, we don't talk really about that. What we talk about is, hey, you know, our goal at some day is to set up a foundation, right? Where we can fund things when we're not here anymore, um, you know, with those policies and, and, you know, with whatever financial means we have and set that up so that we can impact other people. And that's part of our legacy, right? So it's like, yes. yeah, we could spend all that money while we're here and alive, but A, do we really need to? And B, like, what else can we do with it? And so, you know, our great phenomenal financial advisor was like, y'all need to set up a foundation and we need to figure out, you know, a way that you guys get passionate about. My husband's very passionate about the trades. You know, he thinks the skills gap in America is something that needs to be addressed and there's ways to address Good it. You know, way we're not. And so can we do some impact there? whether it's putting some kids through, through some of the vocational schools, yeah. you know, whether it's, I have a lot of passion around kids and, and finances. Like, is it, is it organizing something, you know, there at that level, um, whatever it is. Right. But to your point is it's so much bigger than us and our responsibilities to be responsible here and now where we can to help set up other generations, a, to just understand and have that discipline carried through like, so a thread, a thread be carried out through that, that kind of collective journey but also to look beyond of like, what else, how do I leave this world a better place? Right. than when I got here, if everyone thought like that, we would look very, 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 very different. So before I ask you how people can reach out to you, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. I want to make certain that I'm clear, not because you are a female. Yes. But because I, I so vivid, vividly recall when Ava met you at that meeting and you know, it, it was definitely like a Wonder Woman moment for her to see someone like you come in, chauffeur shows up. Hey, I'm, I'm ready to do my thing. Red power suit gets up in front of 300 people, crushes it. And, you know, and then we're we're speaking after you're done speaking uh, to the room. And it, it's just a lot of amazement uh, when folks see you that way. What message would you give to my Ava and to any other Ava on this planet that has a special and unique dream or vision for their life? Yeah. You know, um, I, I would say two things. One is make sure you understand the process in which you get to advance your dreams, right? So what I really mean by that is dreams can't just be dreams, yeah. right? Like we have to work hard to achieve, you know, 
a dream is just a goal without a plan, right? I mean, I've heard that a million times and that's really true. And I would tell her, first of all, whatever she wants to do, she can do. Any, any, kid, any kid in this world can do anything they really want to do. But the reality of it is, is that there has to be a plan and hard work in place to do that, right? So she has a responsibility to make sure that to achieve that dream, she realizes no one's going to hand it to her. You know, mom and dad can help and, and there's going to be great influences along the way. Um, but it's on her really, you know, to figure out what that's going to be. And then the second thing I would tell her is to always choose love and trust every day over judgment or fear. And that's really hard for people, right? The love always go with your gut, always love and trust first. And if those are broken or abandoned in some way, like, you know, it's okay, you're prepared, you can figure it out. But always err on that side above, above anything else. And I guarantee she will never look back on her life and regret anything she's made if she has those, you know, two kind of values. Make sure you see love in people and love from people and make sure that you are comfortable with the trust that you've built in that relationship going through. And if you lean on that, um, you know, that will, that will stand tall and guide you through whether that's your faith, whether that's your family, whether that's, um, you know, the profession you choose to go down, whatever it's going to be, I guarantee you, it will show up in every single aspect, whether it's getting on an airplane and just being nice to the the flight attendants because they've had a rough day, you know, whether it's, 100%. Being being thoughtful to maybe a, a friend that's struggling, like whatever it is, you know, it's so easy to judge. Like that judging is so mediocre. Like it's just so many people do it, and it's just so rampant and 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 just commonplace, right? She's better than that. She knows it, and uh, and she just needs to remember that that's that's not where to go. That's what I loved having the conversation with you today. If uh, folks would like to reach out to you sure. personally, professionally as a mentor advocate, and of course, on behalf of Finseca and Gamma Global, uh, wh- where is the simplest place that yeah. they can drop you a note? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, finseca.org. If you go on there, click on our, you know, Love our it. team. I'm right there. Just it's <clears throat> bgodsman at finseca.org. Not really hard. Um, and then. Uh, much like yourself, Manny, you and I are pretty, pretty present on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, any of that fun stuff. Like, uh, I actually do read all my messages. I do read all my DMS that get dropped and those kinds of things. So, uh, so feel, feel free to reach out to me, to me there as well. And, you know, I love, uh, love helping and interacting and meeting new people. And, you know, if there's any way Finseca can help you, let me know. If there's any way I can help you, please let me know. Um, and don't be shy. I promise. I'm super nice. <laughs> Folks, I I will uh, attest to that last comment. I will tell you that in uh, almost 20 years of knowing each other, uh, she has always been one of the most impressive presences in any room, Uh, articulate, intelligent, influential, uh, powerful, and just graceful. Today, we had Bonnie Godsman. Uh, the president of Finseca, head of Gamma Global, and one of the most entrepreneurially talented and gifted and kindest human beings that I've been around in my lifetime. It was a blessing and a privilege, and you know that. Love being with you. 
and I'm always thinking about you and the team. Thank you so much, Manny. Um, thank you for, for the opportunity. God bless you. God bless the team. God bless everybody. And uh, I look forward to seeing y'all soon. <laughs>